Hey, welcome back to Wild Geese Travelling. This week we're moored in Disney, just along the Peak Forest Canal. We're halfway along the Peak Forest Canal, which has taken us much longer than it should have done. But here we are, and uh, it's summertime. The, uh, the sunshine is fantastic, the sky is blue and clear, and lots of things have been happening. So this week I'm going to be talking to you about making ointments, because I'm harvesting plants a lot at the moment and I'm also going to be chatting about uh, the locality so talking about Disney and also talking about summer solstice because we're right on summer solstice and it's been quite quite beautiful it's summer solstice aboard mudlark that's the longest day of the year and the shortest night and we celebrate it in some style for us which is very quietly but with a glass of very pleasing home infused gin and an, a lovely afternoon spent in the sun and then in the evening we light a little fire as it gets dark and often stay up overnight we may not do that this year because we're old and tired but usually we in the old days we would have stayed up overnight and waited for the dawn to break and the sun to rise besides a little fire and the reason why this celebration is so very important to us in comparison with with other things that we don't celebrate at all like Christmas and Easter and so on uh, is because this is a celebration that is completely relevant to us this is a celebration that has intense meaning for us such an important part of daily life this week I'm bringing you the episode from Disney which is uh, a few miles along the Peak Forest Canal from Whaley Bridge and Furnace Vale, where we've been before. Disney's a useful little stop on the canal. It's, it's about half a mile's walk from the canal up to the village, which is a ribbon village strung out along the A6, which uh, divides it a bit cruelly. The, the traffic is heavy, but there is a, a useful little town, mostly on the opposite side of the road to, to the canal. So after you've walked the, the very beautiful half mile along the verdant Hagbank Lane up into Holland's Wood Lane, I believe, uh, you come up into the town by uh, the, the pub The Dandy Cock, which is a pleasant enough pub with nice food. And then opposite you is a string of shops, which begins with a small co-op, small but useful co-op, and then along that string of shops there is a coffee shop and a baker's and a hardware shop and a butcher, dentist and around the corner there's a, there's a, um, a physiotherapy centre, the station which is still on the Stockport to Buxton line and across the road there's, there's a bank should you need a bank. So it's quite a nice busy little town, there's, you, you can get most things that you immediately need. There's also uh, the bus which runs into Stockport and Manchester and onto the airport and there's the train which again runs into uh, Stockport and Manchester so uh, the nearest big shopping centre really is to pop on the train and, and go off to uh, Hazelgrove where there's a, um, a, an Aldi and a Sainsbury's so, uh, so plenty of supermarkets around to, to choose from and get your your supplies from if you need things over and above the independent shops. We quite like Disney. The, the moorings are blissfully quiet and at the moment we're tucked up 
not far from a swing bridge. It's very quiet and the views out across the valley are absolutely stunning. So um, yeah, we like Disley. We come here from time to time and it's a peaceful halt. Uh, the next place we're likely to go to, I think, will be Marple and that will be an altogether busier experience. So here we are on Mudlark thinking about what I have had to eat today. And I've begun my morning, as I usually do, with a cup of hot water with a couple of slices of lemon peel in it, which makes a lovely, mellow, broad, lemony drink. Uh, not as sharp and acidic as adding lemon juice to it. So that's how I begin the day. And then I have my little thimbleful of coffee. After that, I've had my muesli yoghurt breakfast. So that's been um, some homemade yoghurt that we've we've made from time to time we buy a litre of milk and divide it up and make lots of things out of it so we make yoghurt and we make kefir and sometimes a soft cheese as well and I'll, I'll tell you about that sometime I'll tell you how we make those things um, so this morning I had my yoghurt with nettle seeds which give me energy and vitality um, also linseeds and ground almonds and some uh, fresh fruit. I had raspberries this morning, I believe. So that was breakfast. And then for lunch, I've had a salad wrap. So some homemade hummus and some beautiful organic plum tomatoes and some cos lettuce, uh, all, all mixed with hummus on a, on a wrap. That's, that's been very pleasant. Because I'm on my own this evening, I'm not planning anything special and I'm going to have um, a mushroom dal which will be um, just based on red lentils, just a very simple dal with fried onions and garlic and I'll lace that with a load of wild mushrooms and s some sweet potato and carrot and, and ordinary potato and that will make my, my dinner tonight. Looking forward to that. And, oh, I've got some coriander. I've just spied the coriander that's been coming up. Um, we're starting to grow things on the boat now. We, we, our, our little summer garden is coming on nicely. So we've got a selection of, of salad leaves and things going on. And um, we, we have a tomato plant and things. So there are plenty of things that are, are coming along in our tiny garden. But I must admit that this year I've, I've slightly missed having a garden on the boat and we're starting to think about what we can do about that without actually giving up our nomadic life. So I've been gathering midsummer herbs. Uh, the boat is full of herbs drying and I've got things on the roof drying in the sunshine and I've also got things steeping and preparing because part of herbalists job is to uh, preserve the plants that they want to use over the rest of the year and so each week brings brings another little thing to gather another perfect gathering time and uh, another, another handful of plants to, to process and the main ways that we store or preserve herbs for use at other times of the year is either by drying them or by making them into a tincture which is um, a sort of an extract of the plant using alcohol and water or we might um, use uh, um, an oil to extract certain elements of, of the plant into. And that's the way that we make ointments. And ointments is what I really want to talk to you about today. At the moment, I'm in the process 
of preparing plants uh, for an ointment. And the, the ointment that I use the most on a regular basis, because I use it for moisturising and general skin care, is made out of ribwort plantain, which is Plantago lanceolata. And we talked about that earlier in the year. I was talking in episodes one or two about uh, the, the plantain uh, just beginning to, to come through at the end of the winter. It was one of our early spring plants. And now it's m in midsummer and, and the plant is mature. Its leaves are at their fullest and, and it's, it's uh, starting to flower. And I want the leaves immediately before they flower. So I've been out collecting and I've come home with a, a, a fat handful, a, a tight bunch of, of plantain leaves that I've collected in the morning um, after the sunrise, once the dew has dried and the, the sun is beginning to warm the leaves. And that's when I've collected them. And I gathered them yesterday and I, um, I have dried them a little. So I've wilted them and let some of the water evaporate out of the leaves because I don't want that to go into the oil because if the oil has too much water in it, then it can spoil and become mouldy. So I've, I've let the leaves wilt. And now what I'm doing is, is heating them. So I've begun, uh, begun this process by pouring oil over the leaves. So, so I'm not extracting the oil out of the leaf. I'm extracting the properties of the leaf into another oil. And that's what we call an infused oil or a fixed oil. And the oil that I'm using is olive oil. I'm using organic olive oil. And I have covered the, the wilted leaves, which I've snipped up into a pan. And I've covered the, them over with, with olive oil. Um, just enough to cover them. So, so really packing the oil with, with a lot of leaves. And I began by very gently and slowly heating that up. And then once it was hot, I put it out in the sunshine on the warm roof so that the sun and the warmth keeps the heat of the oil and gently using the heat draws, draws out the, uh, the, the constituents that I want from the plantain into the oil and it will gradually turn a really, really rich dark green. And I just keep on doing this heating process. Um, and if I light the stove this evening, then I'll, I'll pop it on the stove and let it dry out. Otherwise I'll put it over a very, very low gas heat and just cook it until the leaves begin to crisp um, and, and feel crispy and that's, that's when uh, the oil is ready. And once that's done, I'll strain it off um, and, and strain the leaves away from the, the oil. And then I'll add a thickener. And in my case, what I usually use, particularly for this ointment, is, is some coconut oil, which has its own healing properties and drawing properties, and some beeswax, which, uh, which a, a lovely friend who keeps bees uh, gives me handfuls off from time to time, for which I'm very grateful. Uh, and then what I do is I heat the oil again without the leaves now, so it's a nice, clear, deep green oil now. And I drop little bits of the, 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 the waxes in, so the, the coconut oil and the wax, um, to thicken it. And then I test it. People always ask me how much wax I use, and I, I can never tell them because it varies from oil to oil and batch to batch. Uh, but I just keep drawing out a, a, a teaspoon and letting the letting my ointment dry on the teaspoon, and then I can very quickly tell how how stiff it is and whether I want it to be thicker or not. Because sometimes I want quite a thin ointment as a, if I'm using it for moisturising, and other times if, if perhaps I want to make a lip balm or something like that, I want it to be quite. 
quite well set so that it's it's coating rather than being absorbed. Lots of people prefer to use plant-based uh, waxes these days rather than beeswax. And in that case, um, there are things like cocoa butter and shea butter that are easily got and just as useful for thickening, um, thickening an oil. But I, I tend to use what comes to hand, which is coconut oil in the kitchen drawer and the gift of beeswax. And once the beeswax is melted and the oil is, is the ointment is, is, is thickened to my satisfaction, then I let it cool a little bit and put it into warmed glass jars and let it set. And do label it. I'm, I'm a terrible one for thinking, I'll oh, remember what something is and then wishing later that I'd label it. So uh, nowadays I, I mindfully sit down and make very beautiful labels um, with what, what it is and how it's been thickened and what the date is. And then um, before I know it, I've got a little collection of ointments which lasts me through the year and, and is often gifted to other people when they have need as well. And, uh, so that's what the herbalist's been up to today. Midsummer, the longest day and the shortest night, is perhaps a good time to talk a little bit more about our off-grid lifestyle because this is the time when we have um, electricity in abundance. So our solar panels are what produce our electricity and we have two solar panels each of which is a, a 120 watt monocrystalline panel which means that they work well both in bright sunshine and on greyer days when there isn't direct sunshine. This isn't such an issue with modern panels as it used to be back in the day. Um, I first began uh, being aware of the power of the sun to power things a long time ago. I was about 16. My father was a civil engineer and um, a bit of an inventor and he was rather keen on the idea of, of harnessing the, the heat from the sun to get to work. And of course, back in those days, the technology was not very advanced at all. And so this mainly meant um, heating water, so acquiring hot water by solar power. And uh, um, so my very first experience of, of solar energy uh, was things like solar showers and solar hot water and various devices for that. And um, I w used to help my father at a rather venerable institution called the Solar Energy Society. Uh, and we used to go off to exhibitions and things where we were regarded as utter crackpots for, um, for uh, spelling out the, uh, the virtues of solar power. Um, and later on, uh, photovoltaics came along and this was the technology, don't ask me how it works because I have absolutely no idea, but photovoltaic cells uh, were the technology that um, allowed for um, the, using the sunshine to create electricity. So in an electrical, um, a solar powered electrical system, you have um, solar panels which are connected up together and you have a controller which uh, does what it says on the tin. Again, don't ask me exactly how. Um, I maybe can find somebody to interview one of these days. That person perhaps gets some more information about exactly how these things 
these mysterious, beautiful things happen. But anyway, the, so the, the, the electricity uh, created by the photovoltaics goes through the controller and that uh, mediates it, it going and being stored in the batteries. And we have a battery bank of, of three 12-volt um, batteries. Uh, they're called leisure and starter batteries. And uh, they, they look just exactly like a car battery, only perhaps a little bigger. And these batteries are, um, are our power station, really. They are where our electricity is stored. Uh, for when we want to use it and we only have as much electricity as is stored in those batteries so once the sun has gone down there's no more electric going into those batteries and so we have to to use electricity carefully and this makes us particular about a lot of things especially in the winter when we have very few hours of sunlight to charge up the batteries and rather a long time when we want to draw electricity from the batteries, uh, at least for light. Um, so during the summer, we have masses of electricity. We have so much electricity, we don't know what to do with it. So we can use it for powering a dehydrator and powering uh, an electric cold box to keep things cool. Uh, there are any number of, of things we can, we can power using, using it. Uh, we could watch telly all day, but who wants to watch telly all day in the summer? Uh, and we do things like charging and things like that. In the winter, we have to be an, a great deal more on it. We have to really pay attention because basically during the summer, uh, electricity is being produced every waking hour of our day. But in the winter, uh, there's, there's much less. Even with all, all of this three whole batteries worth of electricity, we have to be very careful about how much we use for two reasons. One, because otherwise we'll run out of electricity. But almost more importantly, if we don't take care of our batteries, then they uh, will, will fail us. And they're not cheap. Uh, if we look after our batteries carefully, they will last us about four to five years which is not nearly as long as I'd like. Batteries are the weak point in off-grid systems, but uh, they are recyclable and we do take care to make sure that they are recycled. And we also care for them as carefully as we possibly can uh, to give, up, give ourselves the longest, um, the longest value out of the batteries. So the very important thing with batteries, a little bit like phone batteries, is, is not to run them right down. If you run them right down and empty them, then uh, very soon they, they stop efficiently recharging and you need to uh, get new batteries. So you can quite easily ruin a set of batteries, but we try very hard not to. And the main way that we do this is to use as few electrical items as we can and to use the least power hungry items that we can. So on Mudlark, who is very tiny, we have just five lights. We have one in the sitting room, one in the kitchen, uh, one in the bathroom, one in the bedroom, and one in the, in the entrance hallway. Uh, though not, never, never, never would all those lights be on at the same time. And they are one watt LEDs. So they're drawing a, a tiny, tiny amount of, of, of light. So 
we're very careful when we move from one area of the boat to another to switch lights off and we'd never leave a light on in the bathroom for instance or things like that uh, and sometimes we supplement with it with a candle in a lantern as well just just for beauty really rather than because we need to um, apart from lights there isn't much that we regularly use so we are charging uh, phones and a notebook and that would be done in the day. That's one of the first things our children learnt was, uh, was whatever they needed to charge must be put on in the morning and coming in the evening and asking for charging would be met with rather short shrift because uh, there's no charging after dark. That's, that's greedy on the batteries. So um, we, when we buy phones and notebooks and such the like, uh, we, we're extremely careful about how much power they require to be charged and we're also pretty nifty about charging them if we go on train journeys or if we go uh, for a meal somewhere where we can charge and things like that. Apart from that there isn't a lot of electricity in our life. Um, we play music obviously but again we do that off a little tiny boom box which is chargeable and we, we draw off phone technology and we've got um, a small television that we use for uh, watching films and things like that and again it's it's a very very low watch wattage it's small and low wattage and this is how we we manage our off-grid life um, it sounds extremely frugal and i suppose it probably is but when we boil it down to what we really need it's almost nothing it's it's pleasant to wash my hair and let it dry in front of the fire or in the summer breeze. Um, I don't need a hairdryer or curlers or, 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 or straighteners or any of those kinds of things. The, the kettle sits on the stove or we use the Kelly kettle and it's lovely to uh, to use a storm kettle and, and just, just find a few twigs and boil a kettle so much more satisfying than, than the electric. So that's our off-grid lifestyle and at the moment the sun is bright and the panels are at their their most and we have as much electricity as we could possibly want for almost nothing it just costs us the price of wiping the panels down regularly to keep them clean and the batteries which need replaced perhaps every four years and cost us maybe 400 pounds so i suppose our electricity is costing us about if we take into account the uh, the panels and the controller uh, which we've had for many a year, I suspect that our, our electricity costs us about £120 a year. So there you are, off-grid electricity. I'm going to um, do something a little bit different now. I'm going to read you a poem. It's one of mine and it's called Summer Solstice. I sit with the sun as it sets, a small fire at my feet. The dusk fades to dark. Firelight takes centre stage. I feed it dry ash twigs and holly. It flames pale and glows in the dark. I settle to sitting and let go of the past. Time dissolves into dark. Still night belonging to fox and owl. I breathe long, regular, waiting. I see only dark and plain. I smell the smoke, taste the dew readying on the air,
touching my night-cold skin before it settles on the ground. I listen to the night, the crackling of my stick fire harsh above the tiny sound of a creature in the hedge. I sit and stretch and tend my fire as finally the dark horizon greys. The first bird sings, my breaths quicken, the light brightens, the sun breaks the horizon, the dew settles upon the cooling embers. I feed the fire no more sticks as the sun warms my face and I bear witness to the solstice. Thank you for listening to Wild Geese Travelling. My name is Kit Acott and uh, I will look forward, I hope, to you joining me again if you've enjoyed this. Take care, enjoy your week and I will see you soon. Bye.